Hey everyone, this is Brian with Church in a Loop. I'm so glad you could join me today. And I want us to see a very special frame in the scriptures that I think will be meaningful once we see it. Um, and it shows how much Jesus loves you and how much he loves me too. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I pray that as we look into your word that you would speak to us and help us to find you there and to discover more of who you are and what it means to know you and to follow you. We want the world to see us as followers of Jesus, not as us who do our own thing and sometimes follow Jesus, but as first and foremost followers of you. Help us to live that way, Lord, so that when they see us, they're looking at you. And it's, uh, I pray that in our brokenness, you would shine through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 23. So in Genesis 23, we have the story of Abraham and Sarah and Sarah passing away. And so I want to read a few verses and then I want us to talk about what more uh, in-depth meaning this has for us. When Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kiriath Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There Abraham mourned and wept for her. Then leaving her body, he said to the Hittite elders, Here I am, a stranger and a foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so I can give my wife a proper burial. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Listen, my lord, you are an honored prince among us. Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her there. No one here will refuse to help you in this way. Then Abraham bowed low before the Hittites and said, Since you are willing to help me in this way, be so kind as to ask Ephron, son of Zohar, to let me buy his cave at Machpelah, down at the end of his field. I will pay the full price in the presence of many witnesses, so I will have a permanent burial place for my family. Ephron was sitting there among the others, and he answered Abraham as the others listened, speaking publicly. He said, No, my lord, please listen to me. I will give you the field and the cave. Here in the presence of my people, I give it to you. Go and bury your dead. Abraham again bowed low and said to Ephron, No, listen to me. I will buy it from you. Let me pay the full price for the field so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, The land is worth four hundred pieces of silver, but what is that between friends? Go ahead and bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's price and paid the amount he had suggested, four hundred pieces of silver, weighed according to the market standard. The Hittite elders witnessed the transaction. So here we have... Abraham, and he says, I'm a wanderer, I'm a sojourner. God has called me on this adventure of faith, and I've been on it for many years now, over 50 years, and they've seen God do miracles. They've seen God use him and Sarah in ways that they never thought possible. They finally had a son named Isaac, the son of promise that God had said through him, I will have many more you will have many more descendants more than the stars in the sky and now it it's a, a new chapter a new day and 
And in this chapter, we see that it's Sarah's turn, her, her time to pass from this life to the next. And it says she was 127 years old. That's the only time in the Bible that a woman's age is mentioned, by the way. <laughs> but what's funny, or not funny, but interesting about this passage is it has some particular things to it that when you take the time to notice them, there's some interesting parallels to other things. So, for instance, <clears throat> he wants to buy, Abraham wants to buy this field because it has a cave that he can use as kind of like a mausoleum to bury Sarah in any future, in himself, eventually one day he'll be buried there, and his future descendants, kind of like a family tomb. And he goes to Ephron, who owns this area, this field that has the cave, and they negotiate the price of 400 shekels of silver. In the Bible, this is the very first commercial transaction. It's the very first time that the Jews actually own a part of the promised land. Because Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation, this is the very first land ownership for the Israelites in the promised land ever recorded. And he's buying it for his wife Sarah, initially, as a tomb. Now, one of the things that I think is really interesting with the New Testament is, and this is where I, I just want us to direct our thoughts just briefly today, is that this is the, the first commercial transaction of Scripture. But there's another very important one that we find in the New Testament. And it's the story where Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And basically that was the price of a servant or a slave in New Testament times. And he's betraying Jesus to the religious authorities of the day to say, all right, we're going to agree upon a time when we can hand him over to your custody and betray him. And I'll give an answer to why we did and, and basically make it legal in that sense, even though it, it was ridiculous. And so you have this frame in the scriptures. You have this first commercial transaction where Abraham is buying a tomb for his wife, Sarah, in the hopes that there will be something some kind of afterlife with the Lord, but it was very um, murky. Uh, it, was, it was hopeful, but not very well understood how that would come about. It was purely a hope of faith that, you know, he would see her again, but again, it, it really wasn't exactly spelled out how and what that would mean. And then you fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus is betrayed and that betrayal led to his death, his crucifixion, and resurrection from the dead. <laughs> so you really have a tale of two caves in this story. The first cave seems to be a dead end, no pun intended, <laughs> but 
it was Abraham's way of trying to honor his wife and give her the best proper burial he could. But then in the New Testament, you have another cave that holds the body of the crucified Jesus that three days later would rise from the dead. And that was initiated by a commercial transaction of 30 pieces of silver. So it's just an interesting frame that we see. Now what's, what is the takeaway for you and I? Our lives without Christ really are kind of like that first commercial transaction. They, I don't, they're like a dead end. Uh, you know, we, they end in the grave. And the hope and the efforts that we had on earth seem to diminish away. We can't take anything with us. And that's it. Story's over. Now we know that people are made for eternity, so they're either going to spend it with the Lord or without the Lord. But the beautiful part of the story of Jesus is you may go to the grave, but you don't stay there. Because Jesus rose from the grave, he has purchased, he has purchased a spirit a, a, a spiritual transaction with his blood, your heavenly future. So when you believe upon Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you have an eternal future of hope that is rock, just as rock solid as he is, as he was and is, and as his resurrection was. Let's look at some verses that support this. In Galatians chapter 3, we see the scriptures teaching that Jesus secured our eternal hope. So Galatians 3, 13-15 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, or a cross in that manner, through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's me and you, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now it says God has blessed us through Christ. You could also infer that through Christ we have been purchased, we've been secured. We see that promise of being purchased and secured in Revelation 5.9. So when you go to the last book in the Bible, and you go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it speaks that purchase language that Jesus did because of his death and resurrection. It says, at the end times and, and before the throne, there'll be this incredible group of people from all over giving praise to the Lord. It says, and they sang a new song with these words. You, this is to Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed or purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So we have this promise in scripture through Jesus that we have been purchased by Christ, by his death and resurrection. 
1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it, it also gives us that clear teaching that Jesus has purchased for us this wonderful future that we can never purchase for ourselves. So in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, sorry, I'm trying to turn my scriptures here and my pages are sticking together. <laughs> it says, For you know that God paid a ransom or a price to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So, the scriptures are very clear that Jesus has bought for us a future that we could never buy for ourselves. An eternal future with him that is able to start now when you believe. It doesn't just start when you die. It starts now. And your life is changed now. And it moves forward now in a new spiritual reality, a new spiritual DNA of who you are. It, you're changed from the inside out. So in this story, we have this incredible legacy that Sarah lived, and, and she, when she died, Abraham really wanted to do something special. And he says, I'm a sojourner, I'm a wanderer. This area is not my home. And yet he wanted to honor her with a special burial place. So he bought this field with the cave in it. Now what's really interesting is that this cave would eventually be the tomb of not just Sarah, but also Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their, their families. Um, and, and so basically it became in the Holy Land, the Promised Land, a very holy site. In fact, among Jews, Muslims, and Christians today, this is the second holiest site besides the Temple Mount in the Promised Land. Isn't that amazing? The second holiest site. And it's centered around a transaction that took place between Abraham and this man named Ephron, where Abraham bought this field with a cave in it. Now, in an area that same area, not too far, not too many miles away, Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. And his cave is empty. His cave speaks that you can have a future. That can be your cave. So you really have to choose which cave you want. Do you want a cave that still holds these patriarchal bones? Or do you want a cave that's empty that's a doorway to life, symbolized through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. My hope and prayer for you, my friend, is that this story will encourage you to choose to follow Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, it's never a dead end. But it leads to life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful story. I thank you for how it reminds us that you brought us life. You came to give us life, life more abundantly, you said. And that means, Jesus, it's a life that starts now.
It's not just something that when we die, we hope for, but we can begin to taste it and live it now. And I pray that you would increase that taste every day for us so that when the time comes, when we really do pass from this life to the next, in a sense, we'll be very ready because we've already been doing it every day. By your Holy Spirit, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name.